Hallelujah. Yes. As we continue in this process of becoming people who are faithful, I mean, who are fruitful and multiplying, subduing, replenishing, and taking dominion, uh, there are many things that we must be aware of so that, uh, so that we can and be aware of and put into practice in our lives in this process so that we can be who God wants us to be and, and do what God wants us to do. Uh, this is not an overnight thing. It's a journey. It, it's not a sprint. It's a long-distance run. Uh, we would think and, and that it, it would be wonderful just to wake up tomorrow and everything was all right. Yeah. Yeah, that everything was in place. Yeah, yeah, that everything was in order, but, but, but that's not the case. And if it were the case, we wouldn't appreciate it long because we would not have had the experience of going through the process, nor would we have learned the lesson of the lessons that the process would have taught us. Going through the processes of life teaches us things. Uh, yeah, it teaches us things. God, God, God is definitely doing something in those of us who are listening to him and who are striving to live according to his will. His word does not return to him void. It does accomplish all that he desires, and it does prosper in the things in our lives that he sends his word to in our lives. Because his word is active and alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. His word accomplishes things that, that my words won't accomplish. Yeah, his word accomplishes things that your word won't accomplish. And I, I believe that's why the Bible says that we need to learn to speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when we begin to speak the word to one another, we're releasing a powerful spiritual force uh, that, that uh, God's word has power, as I said, that your word and my word just does not have. Just not, does not have. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so he's doing something in us. His word doesn't return to void, uh, and it does prosper in the things that, that, that he has sent his word to. God is not concerned so much about our comfort as he is about our character. I shared that last night in our married couples, and I forgot to thank the couples that were able to come out last night. Uh, yeah, and uh, so thank you. Amen. Next time, those of you who raise your hand, let us know when you're not coming. Amen. Amen. That's, that's, that's proper protocol. Amen. God is, is more concerned about our character than he is about our comfort. And sometimes we don't understand that. Uh, and, and, and consequently, his word can be hard sometimes. And his word can be direct. And the experiences that he allows us to go through uh, can seem difficult. But God is concerned about building character in us. Yeah. It can even seem sometimes that, that God has forgotten about us. Uh, 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 but, but, but this is where knowledge of the word of God comes in and where faith comes in because God does not forget about us and God will not put more on us than we can bear. Have you ever said that? God won't put more on me than I can bear and then you find yourself going through and you say, God, are you trying to kill me? God, why am I going through? Why is this so difficult? Why is this so hard? You know, and, and we get to the place where we really want to quit. We want to throw in a towel. We want to give up. But, but where are you going? I mean, if you throw in a towel, what's next? What do you have to turn to? You ever think about that? I mean, yeah. Because if you leave God, there's nothing but the world. Think about it now. 
And you can, you can come to church and leave God. You can be in church every Sunday and have left God. And you open yourself, well, let me not get ahead of myself, but you open yourself up to so many detrimental things. But, but God, God will not put more on us than we can bear. He said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That's what he said. In essence, well, well, the bottom line is the things that God allows us to go through, as difficult as, as much of it may be, it's to build character and develop faith in us. So in the process, don't think God is being hard on you. Well, don't think God's trying to kill you. He might be being hard on you. Yeah, he might be being hard on you. But guess what? If God is being hard on you, you can take it. Yeah. If God is being hard on you, because you, he knows your frame. He knows your makeup. He knows you. He knows, he knows how much he can trust you with. He knows how much pressure to put on you before you break. He knows. He knows. Anyway. So in the process, don't think God is trying to kill you. Uh, he, he's not trying to do it. He, he's only bringing you to the place of being fruitful, multiplying, replenishing, subduing, and ruling. In doing so, he's pressing the best out of you. He's pressing the best out of you. This week, uh, there was a prophetic word that came through the Spirit of Prophecy bulletin. Uh, that spoke volumes to me, and, 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 and I, I sense the Lord impressing upon me to share this as a message to the congregation today. Uh, uh, this message will be helpful in the process that we're going through. The, the prophetic word was this. Complacency is a weapon formed against you. This is a time when you should be pressing through every hindrance to your relationship with me, says the Lord. It is not a time to become self-satisfied or to justify spiritual laziness. The enemy has laid a snare for those who have become overconfident and careless. You live in troubled times, and it is vital that you establish the eternal kingdom in yourself and in your surroundings so that my light can shine in the darkness of this world. Now, dissecting this message, the Lord is reminding us that weapons have been formed against us. In particular, in this message, he is reminding us that the weapon of complacency has been formed against us. What is complacency? Complacency is the feeling of contentment, the feeling of self-satisfaction, especially when, when coupled with an unawareness of danger, trouble, or controversy. Listen now, listen good. It is the thing, it is the feeling that we get when it seems like everything is all right, okay, or that, that we're secure. Trouble may have settled down. The fussing may have stopped. Your body might be feeling better. Your financial difficulties or situations may have improved, and, and you're not only able to pay your bills, but you're also able to save a little and even buy some things that you wanted for a long time. The danger seems to be gone, and things are back to normal. Whenever we come to a place of complacency, we tend to let our guards down. We call in the troops from the battlefield, and we rest. 
and sisters, in the time of war, this should never be the case. In spiritual warfare, Satan is always prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This is not the time to be complacent. It's not, tell your neighbor, this is not the time to be complacent. This is the time to be vigilant, to be watchful, to be sober. Amen. Sober is level-headed. The ability to think clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The prophecy goes on to say, this is a time when you should be pressing through every hindrance to your relationship with me, says the Lord. It's not a time to become self-satisfied or to justify spiritual laziness. The enemy has laid a snare for those who become overconfident and careless. You live in troubled times, and it is vital that you establish the eternal kingdom in yourself and in your surroundings so that my light can shine in the darkness of this world. A big problem. Somebody say a big problem. A big problem. Look at your neighbors and neighbor. A big problem that you face. Y'all didn't look at it. Y'all didn't look at the person sitting next to you. Everybody. Say a big problem. Y'all ain't gonna like this. That you face is spiritual laziness. Elder Stoller looked away from me when he said that. So I can't, I can't look at you. So I can't look at you and say that. <laughs> Hallelujah. A big problem that we face, a big problem that we face is spiritual laziness. We'd rather do everything else than spend time in the presence of God. It's just lazy. Just, just say just lazy. We're not doing what we can to develop our relationship with the Lord. Nor are we doing what we can to develop, this, to establish the kingdom of God in us. And in our surroundings. We're not doing what we can. A lot of times we're not surrounding ourselves with godly people. Or godly influences like we should. And, and I always remember that it's not always the people who are physically around you that you surround yourself with. What you watch on television, the books that you read, the magazines that you read, the music you listen to, you're surrounding yourself. You're surrounding yourself with influences and with people. Yes, we are. We justify ourselves so that so that we can fulfill or we can continue to satisfy the lust of our flesh. Now, now mind you, now we'll condemn people who we say commit gross sins while we fail to over and we fail and we overlook the little foxes that are spoiling our own vines. Yeah. yeah we're, we're real hard on folk that are, that are out there and we're not dealing with our own selves. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we'll look over our shortcomings while we condemn you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the Lord says, this is not the time for spiritual laziness. The enemy has laid a snare for you. The enemy has laid a snare for you. In order to capture you, I mean, why else would he lay a snare? To imprison you, to cause you to be ineffective in the things of God, and to cause you to distrust God or to distrust God's word, and ultimately to kill you. Yeah. Ultimately, that's his desire to kill you. The enemy comes, we know the scripture, but for to steal, to kill, 
and to destroy. Yeah. Now, 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 anybody who's ever watched uh, a movie on television, uh, a movie or a, a TV show uh, that showed anything about trapping animals, right? Yeah. You know that a trap or a snare is not something that's out in the open. Even for wild animals. Because a wild animal will, will see it and he'll go around it. A wild, that we call a dumb animal. Yeah, we call animals dumb. They're not as dumb as we say they are. Sometimes we're dumber than animals. Well, anyway, you know that, that a trap is not something that's in the open. You know, it's always hidden. You see some of the, some of the, uh, uh, Shows that trap bears or have bear traps. The old westerns when they would trap uh, animals for fur and whatever, they would always cover it with leaves or have it under something. It's always, it's always hidden uh, so that the intended target will step into the trap unaware. If the intended trap target is able to see the trap, it, it, he sure it is going to avoid it. A snare by its nature is hidden so that it can accomplish its intended purpose. The enemy has laid a snare for you. And your spiritual laziness, complacency, and or your overconfidentness and careful carelessness about the things of God is going to be the very cause of you being caught by the snare. This is the reason, again, the scripture encourages us to be vigilant, to be watchful, to be clear thinking. But the Lord said something in this prophetic word. He said, this is the time that you should be pressing through every hindrance to your relationship with me. Now, for the Lord to say that, that means that there are some things that are hindering our relationship with the Lord. There are some things that are hindering our relationship with the Lord. I am not your problem. You are not my problem. But there is a problem. There are some things that are hindering our relationship to the Lord. And the Lord said that we should be, that this is a time that we should be pressing through every hindrance to our relationship. This is a time, the time when your enemy is prowling around seeking to devour you, the time when your enemy has laid a snare for you, the time when, when you are to be being fruitful, multiplying, subduing, replenishing, ruling, this is the time you should be pressing through every hindrance to your relationship with me, says the Lord. I'll say again, there are some hindrances to our relationship with the Lord. There are some things that are getting in the way of our relationship with the Lord. There are some things that are slowing down the process in us uh, 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 of us developing and walking in the things of God, in the strongs of God, or even us establishing the kingdom of God in us and in our surroundings. And this is the time, somebody say this is the time, to press through those hindrances. Now notice that the message was not get rid of the hindrances. He said press through the hindrances. If you get rid of them, they'll rise again in another form. If you press through them, you'll learn how to deal with them and how to overcome them so that when they come up again, uh, those particular hindrances will not be a problem for you because you will have learned how to deal with them. Are you Young people, are y'all listening? Y'all paying attention? This is important for you too. Just don't think that this is for old people. This is for teenagers. You know, once you learn how to ride a bicycle, you got it. You can ride it 
If you don't ride a bicycle from the time that you're 15 to the time that you're 40, you still know how to ride the bicycle. So you can sit in church and you can let all of this stuff pass over you, but you're going to see it again before you leave this world. You're going to need this information before you leave this world. So you can, you can sit down and you can be texting people on your, tele, on your cell phone or uh, sending messages and just being just un, in a, unattentive, but you're going to see this again. Yeah, this is, this is, this is going to come back up in your life and you're going you're to wish you had the information that the Lord has given to you today. Because for, for the most of us in here today, we've all accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord. I don't see anybody in here, I don't think, that has not made a public profession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Amen. Not a one of us. Not a one of us. So this is going to be good for you one day in your life. Yeah, you're going to see this again. You're going to see this again. If you learn it now, you'll have it. And you'll avoid some of the snares that the devil has laid out there for you. Because there are some snares that Satan has laid for you. Yeah, there, there are some snares that he's laid for you. Yeah. Some of the snares started at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, whenever we make our children feel like they're unappreciated and unloved and unwanted, we're participating with devil, with, the, with Satan and laying a snare for our children. Yeah, when we live ungodly before our children, we're participating with the devil and laying a snare for our children. Yeah, when we let our children watch anything and do anything, you know, uh, you know, technology is wonderful, but we've opened up a web for our children uh, that, is, that is snatching them up right and left. And many times we don't know what's going on because they know how to hide stuff from us. Not realizing that they are falling into the snare that Satan has laid for Yeah, it's funny, but you're falling into the snare that the devil has laid for you. Yeah, and when you get caught by the snare, it's not going to be so funny. When you're thinking about popping a whole bottle of pills because of stuff you did, it's not so funny. When you're thinking about slashing your wrist because of the shame that you got yourself into, it's not so funny. When you're laying in your bed crying at night, feeling all alone because you gave your all to this person that, that told you they loved you and they only wanted your stuff, it's not so funny. It is not so funny. When you're raising a baby by yourself, it is not so funny. While he gone and he's with somebody else, getting a baby by somebody else, it's not so funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. And it's not something for you to take lightly. The devil has laid a snare for you. God says this is the time you should be pressing through every hindrance to your relationship with me. How many of you ever, adults ever really been hurt? Children, y'all been hurt a little bit, but y'all don't know some of the hurt that adults have gone through because you haven't lived long enough. Now, I'm not talking about being hurt from getting a whooping. <laughs> yes, the belt hurt. The switch hurt, but that's not the kind of hurt I'm talking about talking about when you, you feel like that your inside's about to come out. You're crying and you're crying and crying and your, tears, your eyes are popping out because and you, and you just, you're all red and you, you, you know, you just don't know how to describe what you're going through. The devil has laid a snare for you. You need this. God says we need to be pressing through every hindrance to our relationship with him. Now, now, now there's a scripture that was that was given, and hopefully I won't be too much longer here, uh, that went along with this prophecy. It was Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 31 to 33, and I'm going to read it again. It says, no one, when he's lit a, lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a blanket, but on a lampstand, so that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is also full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, 
having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light, as when the bright shining of, the, of a lamp gives you light. Now, and I, and I, did I say that our message was pressing through every hindrance? So if we're pressing through every hindrance, what does this text speak to us about? How does this text speak to us about pressing through every hindrance uh, to our relationship with God, to establishing the kingdom of God in and around us? How does this text that speaks about light and lamp and the eye speak to us about pressing through every hindrance? When I look at this text, the first thing that, that jumps out of me in the very first verse when it says, no one, when he has lit a lamp, put it in a secret place or under a basket but on a lampstand that those who come in may see light. The first thing that, that jumps out at me is that we should never be ashamed of our light being lit or seen because this is what God intended. All right? Listen. The only way that our lives are enlightened, the only way that the light is lit in us is through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Don't ever be ashamed of the fact that you are a Christian. Now, this is vital. Don't ever be ashamed of the fact that you've been born again. Don't ever be ashamed of the fact that you have confessed Jesus as your Savior and Lord because God lit the light in you so that your light could shine. God saved you so that your light could shine. God saved you so that your relationship with him could be illumination to other people that are around you. There is light that has come in your life, but it's not just for you. All right? Now, when it talks about a, a, a lamp on a, 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 a lampstand, we may not, because of our illumination usually being in the ceiling, we may not grasp quickly what the scripture is talking about. But, you know, though if your electricity has ever gone out at night and you needed to see, you lit a candle. And you always put the candle at a strategic place in the room so that it would give light to all that were, that, that, that were in the room. God has saved you. God has caused light to come in your life. And God has placed you strategically so that you can give light to people that are around you. You are not given the light that you ought to be given if you are ashamed of who you are in Christ Jesus. So on your job, at school, at the cafeteria table, on the band, on the school bus, you can't be ashamed of who you are. Now, now, now being ashamed of who you are it's not always like, I'm just ashamed of being a Christian. Being ashamed of who you are is when people start talking nasty around you and you don't say, listen, I don't, I don't talk that way and I appreciate it if you wouldn't talk that way either. That's being ashamed of who you are because you don't want to cause the people that are around you to feel offended by you. Now, you'll take offense. You allow Jesus to be offended in you, but you won't allow, you won't say to the devil, don't talk that way around me. See what we do? It's not just children, it's adults. We do the same thing. We allow conversations to go on around us, and we know that we don't appreciate it, and we know that we don't talk that way, but we don't straighten people out. So we are not letting our light shine because in every situation God places us in, this light should be shining. He has strategically placed us so that we can give light. I mean, you know, situations have to arise so that somebody will ask us of the hope that lies within us. And if we keep our mouth shut, nobody's going to know that there's any hope that's in us to speak about. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So don't be ashamed, don't be ashamed, don't be ashamed, don't be ashamed of, 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 of your light being lit or being seen uh, by those people that are around you because that's why it's lit. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill can't be hidden. You're the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt is lost, it's saltiness. Then it's not good for anything to be thrown and trodden under the foot of men. I mean, if the salt is no good, why are you going to put it in your food? Throw it in the trash can. It's just no good. Do you hear the Lord saying? If you're not in the good for me and my kingdom, what use are you? That's a tough thing. Because if we're not good for God and his kingdom, guess whose kingdom we're good for? Yep. If we're not good for God and for God's kingdom, we are good for the devil's kingdom. What do you mean, preacher? Because if we're not influencing people for the cause of Christ, we're participating with Satan. We're pulling people away from God. If we're not advancing the kingdom of God, we're advancing the kingdom of Satan. Can you be neutral in this process? You cannot be neutral in this process. We can't be neutral in this process. So make sure, make sure that your light is seen. Tell your neighbor, make sure that your light is seen. Make sure, make sure that your light is seen. Make sure that it's seen. And, and, and also, when you begin to make sure that your light is seen, those parameters that we talked about last week, it will help keep you within the parameter. Yep, when people know you're a born-again Christian, you're careful about what you say and what you do. It helps keep you in the parameter because, you know, you, you don't want to have Christian banner on your bumper and then here you are, your car is coming out of the you, you, you know, wherever it's coming from. Not your house in the church house, the drug house or wherever. You, you're careful. You're wearing a cross around your neck. You're not in the grocery store cussing somebody out. You're careful. Of course, those words shouldn't be in you, but, you know, maybe you had not fully been delivered. But when you let you start letting your light shine and people know who you are and they know your testimony, you're careful about maintaining that testimony. It helps, keeps you within the parameters of who you ought to be in. Secondly, make sure your eye is good. Now, this is, this is an interesting thing. Uh, this is interesting. Because the Bible says the light of the body is the eye, okay? It's the organ through which light enters so that the mind can perceive and, 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 and we can begin to get clarity, illumination, or what have you. Okay? If, our, if our eye is single, if our eye is sound and doesn't give us a double or a distorted or a colored impression, then the whole body is full of light. Okay? With that, the person knows exactly what is around him or how to use his hands or how to use his feet. Amen? But if the eye is bad, okay, it, uh, it can give false impressions. All right? Uh, and, and when the eye gives false impressions, then, then everything is confused even in the mind. All right? Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's confusion even in the mind. It's as if the whole body is full of darkness. Are you following me? And if the whole body is full of darkness, no member of the body can take its proper part. The hands don't know what they ought to do. The feet don't know which way they ought to walk. All right? All right, because the whole body is full of darkness. Now, you read this parable, and it's really kind of easy to understand. The Bible says in Proverbs 20 and 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. All right? Uh, the spirit of man is the candle of the lamp of the Lord. God has given truth to the mind as he has prepared light for the body. He's also given us a spiritual eye. Now, 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 when we think about this, we're thinking in terms of natural eye, but we've got to understand that God has given us a spiritual eye. God is not here concerned about the natural, but he's using that to compare it to the spiritual. 
God has given us a spiritual eye, an organ through which divine truth enters the mind. All right? An organ through which divine truth enters the mind. Now, 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 do you ever wonder why the devil fights his battle in your mind? Because if the devil can get your mind confused, he'll have your body confused. He'll have you doing all kind of foolish stuff because he is, he is now, you have allowed him to come in and stop what God is doing in your mind. Y'all still with me? So God has given us a spiritual eye. We, we, we may call it mind, conscious, reason, the soul, and, you know, whatever you call it, that's all right. But, but, but it's that spiritual eye in us that distinguishes between right and wrong, righteousness and unrighteousness, truth and falsehoods, nobility and baseness. Sometimes you wonder why people do some of the stuff they do. Why do child molesters molest little children? There's something wrong with that inner eye, that spiritual eye. There, 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 there is something that, 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 that causes many of us to see the difference in right and wrong that, and causes us to choose what's right. They can't choose it because there's something wrong on the inside. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something wrong, something terribly wrong, something missing on the inside. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it, it, that spiritual eye, it, it, it helps us distinguish between right and wrong, righteousness and unrighteousness, truth and falseness, nobility and baseness. It is that which gives us the place we occupy in God's creation, right? Yeah, because animals can't think like we think. They cannot reason like we reason. They, they, can't, they, they, they don't have the ability, amen, to distinguish righteousness and unrighteousness like you and I have. So it gives us that place we occupy in God's creation. Now, if the light we receive into us is sound, if pure, is healthy, then our whole body, our whole soul is full of light. And then we can see light in God's light, all right? But if this inward light is confused, if it's distorted, if it is discolored, our whole spirit is full of darkness. So if, or in other words, if our understanding is darkened, if we are habitually judging unrighteous judgments, if our conscience is always condemning what is good and approving what is evil, if our reason is misconceiving and misinterpreting, then our condition is hopeless. Ooh. He that hath an ear, let him hear. When that which should be leading is misleading. When that should, which should be guiding us into wisdom is betraying us by deadly error. When the light in us is darkness, how great is that darkness? But if on the other hand, our reason is directing us to right conclusions and our conscience is approving that which is excellent, then our whole soul is walking and rejoicing in the light of the Lord. Our spirit is full of light. Our responsibility is to make sure that our eyes are good. Make sure that you're receiving good spiritual instruction and that you're, that you're hearing, that you're seeing clearly. Because if your eye is bad, you're going to see distortedly. If your spiritual eye is bad, you're going to see distortion or distortedly confused. That's going to be confused. You don't know what's right and what's wrong. And if you listen to the world, listen to me good. If you listen to the world, you will be confused. People are calling wrong right. 
Are they saying it's all right? You can, you can have lived a low-down, dirty life and be a well-known person, but and the world gets it and they're going to send you to heaven. And you have to ask yourself the question, if, if you can live that kind of way, and I know people can be saved between the stirrup and the ground, if you understand what I'm saying. But if, if, and it's God's business, but if you can live that kind of way and make it into heaven, then what's the use to the rest of us trying to live right? And then if you're going to live that kind of way and make it in between the stirrup and the ground, at least tell people that you can't live ungodly and make it in by the skin of your teeth. Because everybody is not going to have that opportunity. Everybody's not going to discern that between the stirrup and the ground you need to call Jesus. So don't make it seem like that everything is all right. We're living in a time when the world will have you confused. I mean, if the world will say that it's all right for two men to get married, or two women to get married, the world will have you confused. And, you know, and, and then we don't want anybody to say anything against it. God created me that way. Did God really create you that way? Or are these feelings and emotions that have developed, developed over the years as you have been born in sin and shaped in iniquity? And if the alcoholic has to repent and change, if the whoremonger who's a heterosexual has to repent and change once he comes to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, then the homosexual has to repent and change once he or she comes to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. I mean, what's the difference? But the world will have you confused. This is why your inner eye has to be good. You got to be able to discern right from wrong, good from bad, good from evil, righteousness from unrighteousness. And we tell our son all of the time, you know, there's going to come a day when mom and dad is not going to be around to help you make choices. So therefore, you have to be able to start making right decisions now. You're going to meet all kinds of people in life, and people will try to influence you to do all kinds of things, but you've got to be able to make the right choices. Remember, Satan has laid a snare for you. Satan, some of us, when we were younger, we fell into the snare, and we've had a rough time getting out of it. Say amen, church. Amen. You haven't lived right all of your life. All right? You ain't done everything right all of your life. And for the majority of us, we ain't doing everything right now. Tell the truth and shame the devil. Amen. Yeah. 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 Now, 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 part of, and I'm almost finished here, part of what brings about bad spiritual sight Three things, and I'm just going to mention them, and I'll let you go and pray about them and think about them and meditate on them. Prejudice, pride, and selfishness. Prejudice, pride, and selfishness. They bring about bad spiritual sight. Most of us would think we're not prejudiced, but you're prejudiced about something. Yeah. And a big issue with us is our pride, and, you know, that's why we resist God, because we're prideful people. We, you know, we, we think we know everything. And, 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 you know, who is God to be in control of my life? Or who is the preacher to say to me the things that he says to me? 
who, is, who does he think he is to preach something like that? And we get caught up in selfishness. It's my life. I live it the way I want to live it. I mean, you know, yep, it's your life. You do. You live it just like you want to live it. But the devil has laid a snare for you. Lastly, not only do you, you want to make sure that you don't hide your light and that you make sure that your eye is good, but the last thing that you want to make sure of is that you do not have, that you have no part of darkness since your light or the light that is in you is good. Make sure that you don't have any part of darkness. That's a challenge for us. Make sure, because now you understand that your light, the light that is in you is good. That, that the Lord has saved you and he's, he's made you as a light and he's placed you strategically to, be a, to, to, to give illumination to bring the light of the gospel of Jesus to, to all of those who are around you. So now we have a challenge to make sure that we don't have any part of darkness. Make sure. Oh, that's a challenge to us. Now, think about it. When you say make sure that you don't have any part of darkness, make sure that you don't have any part of darkness, think about that. Don't think in terms of darkness as being people that are out there on drugs. Don't think of darkness as just being people that are doing all kinds of what we call low life and dirty things. Make sure that you have no part of darkness. You think about your nasty attitude. That's darkness. Think about your mean spirit. That's darkness. All right? All right. Think about your uncaring spirit. That's darkness. That's darkness. Yeah. Think about Think about fussing and arguing all of the time. That's darkness. Have no part of darkness. Think about lying and cheating and stealing. That's darkness. Have no part of darkness. You're light, in the, you're light in the Lord, and you're the light of the Lord. Have no part of darkness. The challenge for us is to walk in a manner, to live in a manner that God is glorified, that God is pleased, that God is honored with the way we live day by day. And, grand, and most of the time, most of the time, I said this to the married couples last night, most of the time is at home, especially for those of us who are married. Most of the time it's at home. We have to be careful that we're not snapping at one another. Yeah. We have to make sure that we are loving and kind. That we say please and thank you. Yeah. This is just some good stuff that our parents taught us when we were little, but we forgot about. Yep. Make sure that you, that you help your wife clean up, men. And vice versa, women. Have no part of darkness. Say I'm sorry sometimes. You know, I'm not talking about anybody in here, but you'd be surprised that sometimes men say, Pastor, you know, my wife don't ever say I'm sorry. Now, you know who you are. If you don't ever say you sorry, then there's something wrong with you. You need to look at your husband right now and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you're not right all of the time. You know, you're not right all of the time. And this is a part of the pride that's in us. This is a part of the pride that's in us that, that has to be exercised from us. And one day, those of you not married, you're going to get married. You need to know how to act. You need to know how to treat your king or your queen that the Lord has given you. Have no part of darkness. Have no part of darkness. When you're in your little groups, when you're by yourselves, you know, in your little groups, make sure that, you know, you, you, you maintain clean conversations and clean actions. Have no part of darkness. You know, I may not see what's going on, but God sees. God sees. And, and the, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. 
And a lot of our vines have been spoiled because we have allowed little foxes to live and thrive. And if you allow a little fox to live and thrive, it's going to grow into a big fox. And it might transform into a wolf. Who knows? Are you listening? Have no part of darkness. No part of it. No part of it. Translate this into every area of your life. And you will press through the hindrances to your relationship with the Lord. Translate this into every area of your life and you will press through the hindrances of your relationship with the Lord. Listen, it's our relationship with the Lord that makes all of the difference in our lives. Promotion doesn't come from the east nor the west. Promotion comes from God. I was reading something the other day and it said, don't seek favors from the Lord. Seek to walk in God's favor. So a lot of us are seeking favors from the Lord. We get in trouble and we want the Lord to move. And You know, you want to see some, some, some people that are coming to church real faithful and regular, let them get in trouble. You want to see some people that pray, let them get in trouble. But no, seek to walk in the favor of God, which means that whatever hindrances that are in my life that's blocking my relationship with the Lord, I'm going to press through those hindrances so that I can get to the place that God wants me to get to and have the relationship with him that he wants me to have. Let's stand.